Harry and Meghan Markle podcast deal, the future of award shows, and the music industry post-COVID. That's showbiz, baby. Welcome to episode 28 of That Show Biz Baby Podcast, your all things music business and media podcast. I'm your host, Joe, with my co-host, Colin McKay. Colin, what is up? <laughs> Nothing much, but, you know. It's very power. aggressive. I'm really at yeah. it. What's up, bud? And I was like, oh, man. like You're, <laughs> you're like the pe- people at Chick-fil-A when they ask for my order. It's like, how are you doing? I was like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, my pleasure, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure would be to give us... And our fans, our socials, Twitter at Showbiz Baby Pod, Facebook and Instagram, that Showbiz Baby Podcast, and email that Showbiz Baby Podcast at gmail.com with all your questions, concerns, and such. And Chick fil A orders. You know? And Chick fil A. Oh, please do not send me Chick fil A orders. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so we are in the weird, tumultuous December of COVID, which is already really slow in general. Yep. And then COVID came in and made it even worse. Yep. So now we're in fun, speculative article land. Yeah. Um, or the fo- the frozen tundra that comes every December for the music much. industry. And like, it's just, it's so bad right now. But basically, a lot of people are posing a lot of interesting questions and stuff I haven't thought about, such as Billboard. So here's one of them. So there is basically kind of a movement about offside performances. And they kind of ask the question, are these offside performances that we've seen in award shows going to be a mainstay? Mm-hmm. So basically due to COVID, we've seen all of these offside performances. We've covered at VMA, CMA. You know, we've seen Post Malone in a quarry use $80,000 worth of fireworks. We've seen Megan Thee Stallion in a desert. We've seen Shania Twain in Switzerland. We've seen The Weeknd atop the highest outdoor observation deck. And so the question has been raised, is this going to be normal? So quote, everything under the sun has been done on a traditional award ceremony stage, says Lamar Taylor, The Weeknd's creative director and co-founder of the artist brand and creative hub XO and house and it has an X in the middle uh, I tried to look up what the pronunciation is but I couldn't find it quote you have restrictions with height weight pyro flying objects and you can't do anything as a creator or an artist you always want to do something out of the box and for years we have been in creative shackles uh, he goes on basically saying when designing a show you always think quote how will this interact with the audience and attendance what's the connectivity between the person in the chair and the artist on stage artists really got to have fun and present their performances in a way they never have the opportunity to do in the past which is true because there's nobody usually there if not it's very spread out audiences so mm-hmm. you know you got to connect through a screen which is easier said than done um, so big deal coming up is the Grammys, but in this, you know, what we're talking about right now, the Grammys are such a setter of standards when it comes to award shows, especially for music. So the RIA basically had a big, uh, problem because they had to figure out how the show is going to run. And so because of the COVID restrictions and stuff, they, announced in june like kind of what they were going to do like what multiple venues and stuff but they basically also announced that because of this and everyone planning to do multiple shows they would have to have the stuff finalized by october to actually like go through and do the whole thing because it just takes so much more planning yeah but you get all this freedom uh like lamar is saying so london-based creative director firm is studio co-founder emogen snell hopes that the grammys take the chance to scale up the standard of live shows or live stream shows saying it's quote always so la centric but i think it's the year of going global 
It could be 12 artists at 12 iconic stadiums around the world. It could be amazing. And then Lamar Taylor finishes out the article saying, quote, I think all, if not most, television networks see the off-site performances as a huge win, he says. Quote, their ratings have gone down year after year, and I feel it's a reflection of sterile, repetitive content. It's time to reimagine the future of award performances. One can hope that the Grammys will see what other networks have done and want to top that. You know, and yeah. so I'm going to pose the question to you, Joe. Do you think uh, we could see these, you know, off-site multiple performances being a mainstay? Yeah, I, I think um, I'm not so sure it's going to be quite the caliber of this year just because uh, I do think logistically it is a lot easier when you have everybody in one central location. Right, and you can, like, easily say no with, yeah. like, a venue. Like, no, we can't put, you know, $80,000 worth of fireworks in here. No, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, but uh, do I think maybe pre-recorded performances might be a new thing with the Grammys or even, you know, like, pushed more? I think it might. See, that's the thing I don't want, and that's kind of, like, I would love to have, you know, obviously my the cynical part of my brain is, like, this has got to be more expensive. Like, I guess, you know, from I mean, especially if you're getting all these venues. Right. You're getting, you have different, you know, costs, obviously, for multiple venues, and they have to be high-quality venues in terms of, like, how they look, you know, and also, like, what they can even do there. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, like, you know, Lamar's saying here is, like, people are trying to go above and beyond, so I feel like that's generally even more expensive. Yeah. And the thing with it is, like, I, I'm completely about like being like, hey, let's change the formula because I completely agree with him at the end of this thing. It's, you know, the ratings are going down because it's sterile and repetitive. Like there's no reason to watch pretty much any award show live. You know what I mean? Like there's no incentive. Yeah. I would just be like, I'll just watch it tomorrow on YouTube. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't have to go through like four hours of ads or basically, you know, having to sit there and be like, oh boy, oh boy. And then it's like Chrysler comes in my face and I was like, I didn't want you. I wanted yeah. Lady Gaga. Uh, yeah. And, I, you know, there is something to like, you know, having a performance uh, for the Grammys where it's, you know, it's it's something, it's it's so different than everybody else's performance, you know, because most of the time the Grammys are just, you get on stage, you do your, you know, two songs or whatever, and you get off stage. There's cool stagecraft going on and like a bunch of different stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a stage performance, just like anything else. That's it's one TV, thing. It's a very TV, like almost Super Bowl heavy stage performance, which can mm-hmm. be cool. And it is cool sometimes. I think uh, personally, the CMAs do it really well. Uh, with a lot of their camera work and stuff. But um, I I think uh, that there is something to be said about, you know, oh, we're just, we're having this, this could be completely separate from the Grammys, you know? Like it could, it's its, its own life. It has its mm-hmm. own kind of value to it. And it's something for me, you know, as the artist, this is me that I'm, I'm portraying. But um, like you said, uh, it might fall into the the problem of having pre-recorded uh, stuff, and a lot of artists love performing in front of audiences, which I think uh, maybe we're not taking into consideration with the the argument. You know, like a lot of people want to be at the Grammys in right. L.A. performing in front of an audience, 
and that's just what they want to do. And maybe in front of, you know, a bunch of industry people. And exactly. All that kind of and stuff. what's even more important with the Grammys for artists and for uh, newcomers in the industry and people trying to basically, for lack of a better term, level up in the industry is uh, a lot of the after parties that are in L.A. and a lot of the people who go out and celebrate. Right. Uh, and, you know, there's all these insane stories. Well, what happens when we don't have that anymore? And there's, you know, we're all separated. Well, you know, the, I the different things. Speaking of like the parties and the networking, I would imagine they would still probably be in the same city. You yeah, know? like so that's a thing in a lot of these cities, which could you know obviously limits like where they could go because you have to go to a place that has multiple big venues. Like, but that are you saying it. like, are, do you think they're going to be multiple venues in L.A. or is it just going to be like one? Thing? So I, here's my thing: I if if I like from a fan perspective, if I wanted something in particular, I would want the ability for artists to do something off site mm-hmm. to do something fun creative but i would like it to be live just because the you know if it's live there's just such an atmosphere difference between an artist that knows they're live on tv or on you know a live streaming thing than a pre-recorded thing yeah you know there's no chance that you know somebody just cut a bunch of takes together or whatever and i you know like honestly the thing is is you know a lot of people will be like well we recorded this live and it was pre-recorded though but you trust us it's live and their team will be like trust us it was live and i was like i get it but just in this day and age especially With being an audio engineer yeah like, i know yeah. how i know how good it is to edit it to make it not look live you know i basically fake it to be live is what i'm trying to say yeah and so like that's kind of why like i want the live aspect to it and like look i get it like obviously there's also all the comping and all that kind of stuff that's in pre-recorded and that can be less than live, even though, you know, you if you don't know, live tools stuff. can are amazing now. You can do live auto-tune. You can do a lot of stuff like that. And so, like, it's not completely out of, you know, studio range to have a live performance and be like, oh, man, they didn't mess up at all. And the sound engineer guys was like, oh, I got my auto-tune back here. I got the vocal stems to kick that back in. That's fine. But there's, I, I just make this argument. There's just always like this live factor where something could happen. Like they could, yeah, they could like drop a microphone and you could see how they recover. And it's just like a cool fact. Like I know green day. Yeah. I don't mean like <laughs> bad things will happen. Like, I don't want to be like, all my examples are like, they could trip and fall over. And like, we yeah. could see how that is. No, but like, it's just more of like, I feel like it brings out a it's, lot. It's more, more real. Right. Than something pre-recorded. I mean, the and I think that it is, I just think that it's a lost format in a lot of ways from the way that tours have become a lot, especially with like regular pop and rap music where it's very rehearsed, you know, in a good way because, you know, they get up there and every night in every city and they do the same thing and they hit it so hard every time mm-hmm. and they, but they do the same thing over and over and over again. But I think it just shows like a different versatility of an artist to go up and do a live performance. That's like grandiose and scale, like a, you know, major stadium or arena tour but they do it just once you know and i just think it's a different kind of content that's lost and if i wanted pre-recorded quote-unquote live performances i already have this with like the you know just the artist youtube channels uh you know the late night also has a lot of that too yeah and so like i just feel like you know i completely agree with lamar saying I think it's stale and repetitive and needs to change, but I don't want it just to become something that already exists. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, so, maybe maybe it's not so much uh, we should be focusing on the live um, 
performances, but maybe more on just where the Grammys are held in general, because there are a lot of complaints that, um, you know, maybe we like, why is the, why are the Grammys held in LA all the time? Well, it's like, because it's the center of the music world, basically. It's like where all the businesses are, right. and all the and music executives and there are. are, you know what I mean? And yeah. Like, but if, uh, uh, these people are the top of the top and the Grammys have a lot of money that they can, uh, spend towards these performances and stuff in production, I mean, what's what's stopping them from having it in a different city every year? I don't I would I here's my thing. I don't like that because I feel like it's just more of like from a logistical standpoint, I feel like it's easier to stay in one place. Yeah. I'd be fine if they wanted to try out somewhere else and be like, logistically, we want to try this out and maybe the fans will like it more. I think if we were gonna go in that way instead of like having a touring Grammys essentially, uh, I think we should go with uh what like Emogen says here, which is like, maybe we could have like different performances in different cities. Mm-hmm. And that's just like synced up because like, especially with the Grammys, there's so many categories of like international music, Latin music and stuff like that. It's like, how awesome would it be if like, imagine this, like you have an artist somewhere that's maybe, and this would be great for the artist too, because like, you know, everybody always has this part in the Grammys and I don't care who you are. I don't care how educated you are. There's always someone in the Grammys where you're like, I don't know who this person is. Like, I have no idea what, who yeah. this is, whatever. How awesome would it be if like, you know, especially for Americans, if they were like not American, they were from a different country. Like we just cut and the Grammys cut over and they're performing their song in maybe their native country or something like that. And, you know, everybody's having an awesome time and you really get to showcase these people. You know yeah. what I mean? Instead of like creating a manufactured situation, you know what I mean? And kind of showing like, look, this is kind of what's going down. Like, and I feel like if you want to argue that the Grammys is to celebrate, you know, all of music, then like, I would love to see the different cities or mm-hmm. something like that. Again, that's expensive. That involves like telelinking and all that kind of stuff and stuff, but it would be better than losing so many ratings a year. Yeah, but that's true. I, I guess what it depends on what the Grammys are for, because again, the RIA, which is funny because I'm doing a deep dive right now that mentions their existence, uh, is a trade organization. It's mm-hmm. literally supposed to be a trade organization that represents the music industry. So like with that in mind, you have to think like the, the RIA is there to help the people they represent. So it's going to come up to the RIA if they think, well, we could put all this extra cost and we could try to have another venue of seeing artists and stuff through our Grammys. Or we could just go on with the same old, same old and all these executives and all these companies we represent just care that their artists have the word Grammy on an album title. And it's proven that consumers will just go, oh, this one a Grammy. I'll listen to it. Yeah. You know, so it, I just don't know if they want to keep the status quo or really make something cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does come down to uh, their decision in the in the long term and in what uh what logistically they can make happen at the same time. I also think this could be a great point to differentiate a lot of these shows that are very similar to each other in my mind. Yeah. Like such as like a VMAs and stuff like that. Cause I felt like the VMAs did a, like a crazy good job this year. I mean, like I watched it, I wanted to watch it. Usually I wouldn't watch it cause I just same old, same old, but they got to, you know, everybody got to do their own like cool little thing yeah. as opposed to, you know, I feel like the VMAs <laughs> have always been linked to MTV. And, uh, this was the first year I felt like I, 
I didn't even think about the MTV brand. Right. I felt you know? as they were the VMAs. Exactly. Yeah. It was like completely different. Um, so like, that's what I'm saying though. It's like, I feel like if, you know, if, if you're out there and you're like, I hate the Grammys, I hate them. I hate what they stand for or whatever. This is the opportunity for other award shows to really step it up and like, be like, Hey, you guys in the industry should respect this because we've created such an interesting opportunity for your artists to perform and get great content and also get something that's not usually seen before. Yeah. And then this would be a moment to try if you really hate the Grammys to like surpass them in terms of the way they've seen the music industry, which, you know, that's going to be a hard sell though. Right. I mean, just because of how much historical value it's always a hard sell, but it's like actually more possible now is kind of the argument I'm making. Yeah. It's like, look, I would borderline say if it was a regular 2020, that it would be borderline impossible. Mm-hmm. But because of the circumstances that we live in, the sad, sad circumstances we live in, it has actually created a good opportunity for people to differentiate these award shows from each other. Kind of as we've talked about very briefly in another episode, how late night had to do the same thing on television. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be interesting and uh, we're going to have to see what the Grammys does. Cause again, like, I don't care who you are, but like the Grammys is considered, you know, the top tier the top is like the award. pinnacle of musical award show in the general public's mind and a lot of industry people's minds. Yeah. And that's globally. So as well. they have the power to shift the paradigm just as like, you know, any big kind of show or movie that's like the top of their craft does. So, yeah, well, moving on, uh, something a little different. Uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle ink a Spotify podcast deal. Huh, weird. It's almost like this is a common occurrence. Huh, Speaking Colin? of also the top of their king or prince and princess. That's the one everybody knows. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, so Prince Harry and his wife, Meghan Markle, have signed a multi-year podcasting deal with their new production company, Archwell Audio. According to Billboard, quote, they plan to host and produce podcasts to uplift and entertain audiences, end quote. Harry, yeah, come I would, on. You know, I would hope they would entertain the audiences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope it wouldn't be boring. <laughs> like, um, But starting at the end of the month with the holiday special produced by Spotify's, uh, Spotify's own uh, Gimlet Productions uh, in cooperation with Archwell Audio. Is that um, really the name? Gimlet? Gimlet. Yep. Okay. It is a very strange name, um, but uh, apparently there have been rumors circulating about the deal since their relocation to California and the announcement of their deal with Netflix for a uh, production company of their own as well, um, featuring some documentaries, feature films and children's programming that they are going to produce. So it, it seems interesting. They're gone. They're going from literal royalty <laughs> to we're going to go into media now. Um, which I mean, Meghan Markle is no stranger to the inter- entertainment industry as she has starred in long, the longtime TV show Suits, which is where you would really know her from. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that. <laughs> we the really first thing that comes to mind when we really should have prefaced this as Prince Harry and Meghan Markle star from Suits. Yeah, <laughs> and so you knew who we were talking about. Yeah, I mean, come on, y'all. We all know where we we know her from. Um, Sorry, Suits fan people. Yeah. <laughs> 
featured on the network USA. Um, and after meeting and marrying Harry, Me- uh, Megan left the show in order to prepare uh, to take the role as Duchess of Suits. It, just, I, I, it already happened, but that just doesn't sound real in my mind. Yeah, right? I know, because now they announced that they would be sol- surrendering the royal duties and basically <laughs> we're just like, fuck you, <laughs> we're leaving. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of it. We haven't really heard much of them except from these deals. And only just recently, they actually took a year uh, where, I mean, they weren't in anything for a year. They were basically like in their own lockdown, mm-hmm. you know, and only now it seems like a lot of these deals are starting to get inked and, and starting to uh, be put into place. So Spotify has also secured deals with uh, Joe Rogan, Bren Brown, Jordan Peele, Mark Wahlberg, Paul Feig, Feig, is that Feig or Feig? I don't know. Say both. We'll just keep going. <laughs> and uh, President and First Lady Barack and Michelle Obama. So um, a lot of big people. On this thing, First uh, including Paul, who can't pronounce his name. Oh, yeah, I just um, want to say, like, what a, you know, obviously, I, I just want to make this joke. So obviously, it's perpetuated that you have the princess moniker. You know, you're like a regular, you know, girl or something like that in a movie, and like you're just really nice or whatever, and then you eventually become the princess. You know, usually you're somehow abused or something like that. Yeah, I think we should rewrite the story of. You are a regular actor. You're getting up in the world. You get on a TBS or a USA (laughs) and then a prince and you start to have a relationship and then you will have to leave your medium time presentation uh, television network to go and become a prince. I think that should be... This is a Hallmark movie. Yeah, I think (laughs) that should be the new... The new like Hollywood. Christmas movie, yeah. Right? Like you know, yeah. we already have the princess stuff about like the mean stepsisters, like Cinderella style. Yeah. But like, let's do this. Let's cause this new myth. Anyway, yeah, they basically, if, yeah. If you didn't know about that leaving royal duties thing, it's a really big deal. Uh, uh, a lot of the people are mad at them, but basically, they figured out what they are, which is their entertainment, you know, Stars. personalities. Basically, yeah. I, and you know, it's it's. I mean, this isn't anything new with royal family, you know, you know, using media. I mean, they're basically figureheads from the day they're born and uh, they're constantly in the media their entire lives. So it's it only makes sense, you know, that they would uh, such high profile people would sign these deals and, and make their own production company. And they even pointed out that uh, a lot of their deals and the way they're making their production companies and stuff is uh, very similar to how um, Michelle and Barack Obama have, have done it Yeah, um, with uh, their newest deals and a lot of the things that they are making. It's smart. I mean, it's just a way of continually, you know, having a one, having purpose, you know, being, being like, we're going to do this. This is going to be fun, but also just continued money and everything yep. like that. People want to know about them the same as the Obamas, what they've been up to, what their opinions are about things and mm-hmm. everything. And they, you know, that like you're saying, they're, they're literal, they, well, they, I guess they were literal royalty before they like surrender their royal duties. Yeah. I but I mean, to is. be honest with you, it, it's, I, I feel like a lot of people, um, I mean, there are definitely still people out there that are very like, uh, royal centric and will, will say, you know, you surrender, you're out at that point. But to be honest, I mean, like, I don't, I don't think that's a thing to most people, especially with how media works now mm-hmm. and how celebrity works now. I think they're they're always going to be attached to that family in one way or another. And uh, whether that's, um, I mean, I don't want to get into their personal life. That's their own deal. But in terms of professionally, 
it, it, their name is always going to be associated with that. Yeah, so, you can't get away from yeah, it. Yeah, you can't you know get away mean? from it. And a lot of people who have been either kicked out of the royal family or have surrendered their uh, duties in the royal family have been shunned. And to be honest, this is like one of the first times that I think uh, the like this uh, couple leaving um, has actually been seen fairly posit- positively right. from, from most As people. As opposed to a betrayal of yeah. the family. And I think a lot of that too is because there have been you know, there, I mean, there's always, you know, tons of speculation about what happens uh, in that house, you know, and like, and if, you know, how cold the family can be and how, how daunting all of your duties are as uh, someone who literally has to grow up in that their entire lives. I can't even, I can't even imagine. I just I, waking up as a three-year-old being like, I'm going to be the king. One I just day. think he, <laughs> the know, thing like, with it is, is it's just more of like, they figured out like they have in themselves, like you're saying, they will always be attached with the royalty no matter what. Now it could be way less in the future. Like my example is, you know, most people used to think before Michael Jackson got really famous, that was just the kid from Jackson five. Yeah. But you know, at the same time as he got big and stuff like that, there was, you know, new generations and stuff that had no idea. But again, people who knew about, one of you know Jackson Five would always go, oh yeah, and also he was the kid from Jackson Five. It's kind of the same thing here. Is that and if they got so big, like let's just imagine they did really well on podcasting, they did really awesome at their own production companies, they were doing stuff maybe that wasn't even associated with them being royalty or something. Mm-hmm. There could be a next generation of kids and people and who just forget over time that like oh yeah that was Prince Harry and Meghan Markle who used to be royalty. But then, it, you know, it'll always be behind them is always somebody will go. Yeah, they were going to be, you know, until they gave up their Royal duties. If they continue on with that, yeah, you know what I mean? So like, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, I think it's, I think you have to think about a positive and negative of it. It's like, they have the ability to have enough fame to do this mm-hmm. and have like people who want to be interested in it. They will be followed by it forever, which is a curse. Uh, but at the same time, it's a double-edged sword because it gives them their fame for now. But even if they got famous, you know, and maintained becoming like entertainment moguls, they will still always have it. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's the thing that's interesting about it. Uh, on the Spotify side, they have gone so deep into podcasting. Uh, not only podcasting, but getting talent that is... I would say even beyond triple A, <laughs> you know, I mean like, like you're, you're listening you, to these you're people getting royals on, on you're signing royals well, to your company. I think, I think it's just more of like the thing that I think that people forget sometimes is like, you know, obviously there's work in a podcast. Like yeah, obviously me and Joe research this and all this stuff, but like me and Joe don't come up here and like, sing a song, play a banjo, do a tap routine. It's just talking. I mean, unless you so want like to. So like everybody like, in here, <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody in here is already really good at talking in front of, you know, something that's recording them. Yeah. So like it just makes sense that they're doing it. What you're saying though about it being above AAA, I completely agree with. And it's Where it's because, almost like legendary people. Well, it's because it's like, it's just more of like when I read like, you know, president obama or somebody or like this you know couple i'd be like they got them to do a podcast yeah that's kind of where i'm at to like as opposed to being like oh these really big people have a podcast it's like you actually were able to let these people like come to your company and make an exclusive podcast yeah Um, 
you locked them down. That's insane. Right. And it, what's even crazier is, Colin, have you heard anything from Apple Podcasts? Because uh, I so haven't heard anything from... I think <laughs> I think the thing is, is like, we can go into this because obviously we know. Uh, but like Spotify has realized that there is a market, and we talked about it a little bit with like Radio Disney. There's a market for personalities. Mm-hmm. It is shift. It is shifted from radio and still shifting. And there are people that are, you know, usually you would listen to on a TV show, on like a news program, or like on talk radio, they would quote them. And then they went, well, instead of getting a snippet of their life, guess what? We can just have a podcast where these people talk directly. You know what I mean? And these people are so in demand now, and there's kind of like a bubble from that media as it dies out, as like, you know, as as the uh, nightly news dies out and as like, you know, coming on the radio show dies out and like shows that are like a Larry King die out and stuff. There's a hole of people wanting this kind of like content of people talking to each other just regularly. Yeah. And YouTube has done a great thing with that in terms of like having influencers who do this. But now Spotify, especially since the pandemic has hit knows that well, radio is crumbling. People aren't making money in there. So, if you want to do this, then you're coming over to a podcast deal and they're smart enough to go, we're going to spend kind of like Netflix so much money yeah. to get this locked down right now before anybody else does. Yep. And, and start producing their own quote unquote own content. I mean, right. it's definitely like a clone of the Netflix well, model. Right. And it reminds me like, let's say if you were around, when Netflix like first came out, when you if you got the DVDs, oh from I remember, Netflix, right? I remember. <laughs> if you had, here's our data reference. If you got the special disc that you had to put in a Wii to make it able <laughs> to read Netflix and then take it out, the point that I'm trying to say is that if you were around in that early time when Netflix had like one, two like exclusive shows, and people were like, they're okay. Why would I watch this? Yeah. I guess it's okay. That's kind of what Spotify is like gearing up right now doing. It's pretty much they're like, we have Joe Rogan and the Obamas and Harry and Meghan Markle and like everybody. But then the benefit as opposed to Netflix is it's like, oh, and also 99.90% of podcasts also put their stuff on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Actually, parallel to Netflix, it would be like, oh, we also have regular TV like Law and Order in the office. Like that's kind of what it's like. It's the model is very similar. Yeah. I just think that they're in overdrive because the obviously COVID has affected everyone in their monetary balance extremely, especially a lot of these people that rely on entertainment, you know, money in terms of radio or public appearances. Um, and so they're like, this is the time to buy baby. And I completely agree. It's just going to be, it's going to be interesting from a consumer aspect is this enough for you if you're on an Apple Music? Like, you can comment this actually. And again, we put these on YouTube too, but like, uh, you can comment on YouTube if you want to prove me. But basically, if you're on Apple Podcasts right now, are these podcasts enough for you to get a Spotify subscription as opposed to yeah. like, that's as opposed to just staying on right. Apple? And so, and obviously, Apple Podcasts are free, but mm-hmm. like, it's just more of like, would you, because obviously, Apple Music to Spotify is synonymous in terms of streaming. Like, it's very rare now that people are like, I'm only on Apple Music. So, like, 
saying that you get that, would you actually, if you're listening right now, cancel your Apple Music and go, I'll just get a Spotify, and then I get the podcast in this app that I'm already going to use, which is the other thing that's an advantage of like Spotify is all of it's in one place. You don't have to open a different app, yeah. you know, and that's just a nice, you know, ecosystem they've built. So the, you know, everyone has said Spotify is going to take over the world. I was like, well, now Spotify, it's like, it, it feels like this. Spotify has invaded the country of music and now is invading the next country of podcasts. That's yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. Um, it is definitely doing its thing, but, uh, sorry suits people. It's an okay <laughs> show. She's not bad in it, but it's an okay show. I, you know, I never, I never watched Suits. Uh, I, much. I tried. It was, it was okay. I, uh, it was it? really funny when someone explained to me that the Prince of England or the UK was going to marry the girl from Suits, and I went. So, like, what word generator did you use this morning? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this isn't uh, like, are you sure you you didn't drink anything this morning? Or like, I like, mean, she's <laughs> lovely, so I'm glad that he, you know, even can date her. But like, it's just like one of those things. Well, where I it's mean, like, do you not remember the whole thing of like when you know she was uh, getting courted by him, and then oh yeah, like they were all deal. like, she's not royalty, she can't possibly. Yeah, they were being married to her. Yeah. yeah, it's just. I don't know, man. Uh, speaking of being mean, life has been mean to the <laughs> concert industry for the entire year. I love that segue. <laughs> uh, and basically, we have some official numbers from Polestar, but Variety's kind of uh, putting it together a little bit cleaner, if you want to read that, as opposed to the Polestar article I link. Um, so the concert industry has lost $30 billion in 2020. Yay. And I'll get into like the math of it. First, first off, the title is a little misleading as they clarify that the quote live events industry projected loss of $30 billion, including a $9.7 billion loss in projected box office revenue. So it's not just concerts. It's also like if you, all the box office movies and, and yeah, stuff, movies yeah. are in this. Uh, and then again, I'll get into the calculation and this data comes from a year end report from Polestar, which I'm going to also link, but it's way heavier compared to the variety one. So if yeah. you want the, the short and the sweet. So starting with the box office, it was projected to make a record breaking 12.2 billion, but again, ended up losing 9.7 billion, uh, due to mostly being completely shut down in March. And, that whole thing is real messed up. Uh, the theaters are really struggling to survive. And you know, we've, we've seen like Warner recently go, we're going to put stuff on HBO Max. It's a, it's a nightmare. It could be its own thing. I didn't really want to cover specifically that. But I just a footnote there. The, the projected 30 billion figure includes unreported events, ancillary revenues, including sponsorships, tickets, concessions, merch, transportation, restaurants, hotels, and other economic activity tied to the live events according to the report. So again, this is like kind of encompassing. Yeah, it's but, a lot of different industries kind of tied into it. But one. kind of shows how fucked this whole situation is because yeah. it's literally just a spider web of chaos pretty much because everything kind of feeds into itself. Yeah. yeah. Quote, these calculations took into consideration the loss uh, among the f- 147,000 live businesses featured in Polestar's directories, as well as industry studies, which included 2018's Prince Waterhouse Cooper's Global Entertainment and Media Outlook 2018 through 2022 report, and the 2017 Arts and Cultural Economic Activity Study undertaken by the Bureau of Economic Analysis and National Endowment for the Arts. So it's pretty, it's pretty accurate. Like the Polestar knows, if you don't 
know, Polestar is like the trade magazine for like touring events. industry. And, yeah. Yeah. And so like, I just wanted to throw that in there. If people are like, who are these people? Like, why do they know this? And they really do their shit. Like they know all this kind of data and could scope through it pretty much. So Ray Waddell, president of Oakview groups, media and conferences division says the industry is quote optimistic with vaccines, better testing and new safety and sanitation broke all, Wow. can say that sanitation protocols, smart ticketing and other innovations. The live industry will be ramping up in the coming months. And we're sure that at the time next year, we'll have a very different story to tell, which is what everybody needs to say. If you have a company that's supplied money from not the company, <laughs> um, so we covered this again uh, a while ago when they released the rankings from Polestar, but just because it's fun to remember, Elton John's Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour was the year's uh, number one tour with 87.1 million gross between November 30th through March 7th, just that time. It was that no- is insane. It, it was number two on the 2019 tally, so he's been making the most money for a long time. And then 20, 212 million gross at 2019. And rounding out the top 10 are Celine Dion, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, U2, Queen and Adam Lambert, Post Malone, Eagles, Joe, Jonas Brothers, uh, Dead & Company, and Andre Bocelli. <laughs> um, and so uh, the $30 billion in projected losses is derived from the 10.92% year-over-year growth rate tabulated in quarter one, the last full quarter before the pandemic. So we were growing literally 10% from last year, which is insane. Yeah. I mean, it was projected to be the, the biggest year. People were telling me it was going to be, yeah, the biggest year ever because it had been the biggest year ever for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and the 9.7 billion in Polestar box office losses represents an increase over the 8.9 billion projected in quarter one as losses grew substantially after the quarter's end. Again, because theaters just got destroyed because you can't do anything else in the theater. Yeah. You're not having it. Like if you're going to have a social distance event, are you going to go have it in a little community center or maybe an arena or the theater? No. Like, like, so yeah, it's, it's uh, real bad. Um, but like, (laughs) yeah, you don't say Colin. (laughs) So yeah, I just think that it's like, once you put the, like, it's so high numbers that you kind of don't think about it. Yeah. It, like, well, it's hard to relate because it's like, well, I'm never going to see that money, you right. know, but, but it is, you have to think about, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs underneath this money. I would say, that hun- are, I would say probably hundreds of thousands to millions. Yeah. Like, and so like, it, it is literally like that much. And again, like I, I want to reiterate, it's like that spider web of chaos analogy I was saying. It's like the sponsorship, ticking, concessions, merch, transportation, restaurants, hotels. Those are all things that are just... That rely on the entertainment world. Right. And it's like, look, obviously, the the sector of transportation is still working. Yeah. The sector of merch is still selling stuff. But a big chunk of their money is gone, you know, because, you know, bands were making shirts and, you know, bands need a ride to the venues and people need a ride to the venues. So, like, that's kind of what I'm saying here is that... The thing with it is like it affects the entertainment industry, but like the entertainment industry also has splintered and affected all of these things, which are also having if, you know, even if they are open are mostly having worse years in general, just because of, you know, consumers having, you know, less money from being unemployed or, you know, all over the place, different reasons of like logistics for restaurants and hotels, for example. So like, yeah, it's, it's real bad. And like, I, you know, like I said, this guy, uh, 
Ray Waddell, uh, you know, he says that the industry is trying to be optimistic, which I can confirm, you know, from talking to people, people are being optimistic. And I think that's the way we should be. But at the same time, I've talked to a lot of entertainment people. And it seems like to me that a lot of people kind of like it comes in waves, but a lot of people are not willing to accept the new normal that may be here to stay for longer than you think. Yeah. Um, well, um, I was actually reading a, um, uh, Polestar interviewed a, uh, a UK, uh, engineer who I guess he produced a lot of stuff. I mean, he did Mariah Carey. He did the Lumineers. He did like, a lot of stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't think he was a studio, um, engineer. I think he was more like live entertainment mm-hmm. or something, but I mean, he talked about how he, I mean, this guy had been in the industry for 25 years, um, lost. I mean, he, you know, he lost all of his gigs. He had to find a job. He went into um, care, like becoming a caretaker, uh, getting about uh, I think nine bucks an hour or something. Literally, you can't. Yeah, which is other, which is I, crazy. I but can tell I'd you like all to, about that. Yeah. I like to point out too uh, with his story. He uh, he talked about kind of you know, in which I, I totally agree with him. He, the The music industry isn't going to just shock. Hey, it's back again. You know, like. Like the demand's going to be there, but the the people aren't going to be there, and maybe the venues aren't going to be there. So having to meet this this huge increase of demand, which will happen once people get vaccinated and once you know we beat this thing, um, it's it's more of like the timing of everything isn't going to pan out. And so getting these people to come back to your company after you know laying them off or after they go find other jobs and like all this stuff, it's going to be hard to do. And it's going to be hard to get back to the level we were. It's going to be opening. It's literally like, this is my best analogy. It's like, there's going to be the flood, the flood of people in demand. There's going to be a dam and that dam is going to be government restrictions. The vaccine actually coming together, all that kind of stuff. And that dam will slowly open basically and say like, you can have more people in a venue. The vaccines allow people to be together more safe, uh, you know, stuff. Well, like that. I mean, do and you the, do you really think it's going to be slow, though? Because it, it seems like they jumped the gun every single time. We I haven't think, had a quote wave, even the wave never went I away. I think I think it's slow. And I think a lot of people think it's like a like giant waves, but it's not because you have to think about it like this. We lost 30 billion dollars in revenue. It's not like one week we were on track to make. You know, like a venue in a town isn't like, oh, yeah, this week we made like 90% of the regular money we would make. No, not even close. Because like all that stuff is like if you aggregate all of that money that these people are losing, plus the weeks that maybe go higher up because, you know, some town that says like the COVID vaccine or the COVID uh, restrictions are laid off a little bit it's not even close to like their total revenue in general. You know what I mean? Just the average of it. And that's why to me, it's like a stream or like a dam opening up as opposed to just like wave, stop, wave, stop. Like, because it's literally, you know, we have these waves of like, okay, I don't know, like where we live. It's like the state of Tennessee says like, there's no, you know, precautions except for Nashville. Well, you know, these venues have been dying for six months. So like, even if you guys open it back up, some of these venues are gone. Some of these venues are barely surviving to even have the operating costs to open. So like, that's what I mean by floodgate is like, it's like, 
it would be like the regular coasts on the beach is happening in my waves metaphor in the giant dam opening. Um, but like, yeah, it's going to be like that. And then hopefully, you know, everyone's like, we're going to have all these live entertainment people back up as the second dam. You know what I mean? To help all these people stop the water from flooding everything. Yeah. We don't, we're not going to have it like you're saying, because, and we talked about it on this podcast. It's like people have lost their jobs. They have moved on. They literally have to start at the bottom because I, if you don't know this, uh, one of my best professors said, he goes, you think getting in the industry is hard. Getting out is harder. Yeah. And, uh, the thing with it is it's like, you know, when you have these people and they, you know, what, like I can talk about it. It's like when we're at like a warehouse somewhere and you got some guy and his job is to put the cable, check it in, wrap it, whatever. And he's doing that for a year and then he gets laid off and he, you know, Work's not coming back for an infinite amount of time. He'll get a job in another warehouse. It's going to be about around the same amount of money. And then like when the jobs come back, he might be working at that new place for a year and those guys aren't going to be there. You know what I mean? He's going to go, why would I switch back to my old job of wrapping cables at the warehouse, helping the tours? I guess it's cool, but like I'm getting paid the same amount of money here. I've been working here as long or almost longer you know, and I think that's kind of the thing that people don't think about is, you know, obviously like your example of this guy who's worked 25 years, it's hard for him to come back. You yeah. Know I mean? Well, I mean, he talked about how, you know, he, he wants to come back and he, uh, they, they asked him, um, well, what do you like? What's kind of your plan? What's your long-term plan of like, if stuff gets back to more normal, if stuff isn't getting back to normal so fast, you know, like what's kind of your thing. And he's like, well, I mean, if it goes back to normal, I'll definitely head back, you know, cause it's what I love doing. But, uh, and I have 25 years of experience, so I'm going to get paid more money <laughs> than what I'm getting paid now. Right. Um, but, uh, he, he said too, he was like, well, I mean, if it doesn't come back as fast, uh, I guess I'm just gonna, kind of do this for a little while longer and then try to find something somehow related to my career, uh, my former career and, and, uh, kind of try to, to get some stuff out of it. The only problem is because the music industry is so select and, uh, it's so honestly closed off from a lot of other industries in its own, it has its own weird aura, right? Right. Like it, it's hard to take that music industry experience and go to these other companies. Oh, they have are, no idea. They what have they're absolutely talking about. no idea. You could, I, I mean, I could go on and say like, you know, like if somebody called me for a reference, I could go on and say, this guy was awesome. He did everything he wanted to do and then did it 110%. Like he like killed it. He did everything about it. You know what I mean? And like, I could say all that and that show. And to me, it shows like hard work ethic and like, you know, planning and putting things, you know, together in an efficient and timely manner. But like trying to explain that to like a regular hiring manager, they just see like, Oh, you're in the music industry. Well, what is, what does that even mean? And it's like, you know, I, I kind of, I feel bad for these people I know where it's like, 
I'm literally sitting there and I was like, look, you should give these people these fucking sales jobs because they have to sell a band every night, basically about a mix or something like that. They have to sell an audience that this does not sound shitty when they have the worst band on stage playing sometimes. Yeah. I was like, they have other skills from that, but you know, it's hard for that to transition. And like what I was saying about your example is like for that guy, that's difficult. And for, you know, he's a higher level guy. Like he's a front house engineer. He's all that stuff. Well, imagine the lower level guys. Well, the problem is, is for every one of those front of house guys, there's 10 or 15 that are the regular little guys working in the back of the crew. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where they're like, I'm the person that gets all the drum mics out, sets them up and puts them there. You know, I'm the person who, you know, helps with the lighting director. I'm his assistant. I'm the guy who operates the spotlight for, that's the problem with this is like, well, you guys could just go back. Yeah, you could, but like, you're going to go back with way less people and it's not a one-to-one thing. It's literally going to be a like, oh, you guys have a lighting director because this guy's been working as a lighting director for 10 years. He's coming back. Well, it turns out we don't have any spot operators, you know, to run the spotlights and the rafters because the usual guys didn't have gone and left and got other jobs and we need 10 of them. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of like what it is. And that's why it's going to be extremely devastating and the public's and I'm going to feel bad because it's just going to go back to the artists, too, because they're going to people are going to be like, why is this show so much shittier? They're rusty, you know? They haven't been able to really perform in front of people. They have people who are going to either be newer techs who are coming in, people who are, again, also rusty, and like, or just not have enough people to do a job correctly. Mm -hmm. So like, that's the whole thing with this, is it's just, that's why I was trying to use my two dams argument, is like, this dam is opening up and you're going to hope to God that the second dam holds the water pretty much of the demand, but there's no way in hell. Cause you're like multiplicitively like losing jobs that way. And part of it is obviously COVID's fault, which I hate obviously for like doing this to people in terms of their health and also their jobs. But also part of it is just the way the music industry is modeled. Yes. Of having so many people at I, the bottom I, that make not enough money. And then you could go do whatever. You could go be a recruiter at a company for like $15 an hour. You don't have to do any physical labor. You sit in a chair and you just call people. Well, guess what? Being a tech is super awkward. You are always talking to people. You'd be a great fit for that job. The guy hiring you probably has no fucking clue that you are, but... That's kind of what it's like is that, but the people who get those jobs though, it's going to be hell hard to leave. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, although COVID kind of sped this up, I think the, the music industry kind of dug its own hole dominant with a lot of like that. Literally. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, it, it's done this before with, uh, pirating and like with other things, you know, like not just paying people, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of money in the music industry, in the entertainment industry, but it never seems to, uh, to trickle down to the people who are, are working, um, day in and day out a lot of the time and can, uh, I mean, it's, it's shown why this can be such a problem for these brands, for these companies, because you know, these people aren't going to want to come back. Right. And it's just, it's going to be real nightmare scenario because you're going to have, I personally think as time has gone on, you're going to have a public that wants shows. I do believe that there's going to be people who are going to be hesitant to come back. Yeah. So I do, I do think I don't, that's Yeah. Be a I thing. don't know if we're going to have but, slam packed. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think it's literally going to be like the same, obviously just because I'm going to say it like this, it's literally not going to be the same as if it was like, we turn on a light switch and it was like, yeah, COVID's gone. So like, 
you don't have to get a vaccine. You don't have to wear all this, like all this kind of stuff. It's like one of those things where I just feel like the audience, even though I feel like some are going to get excluded just because of health reasons and not feeling comfortable going with the show, the demand is just going to be super high as we've seen as people yeah. literally well, risk their lives at illegal concerts sometimes. Yeah. And I think the more and more people get vac- vaccinated and stuff, that's that demand's going to get even higher, you know? Right. And like the thing is, is like, I feel like a lot of people are immediately like when they get when like the vaccine gets rolled out and if it gets rolled out at like a consistent rate that's able to go they're, they're going to be go, like where's my show right <laughs> yeah they're going to be like out of the chair like the doctor's going to stick you and go okay and then now i can do anything you there's going to be a bunch of artists who are going to be like okay we could tour let's make some money now 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 let's go go you know but then you probably some managers oh, are going to have to be even, like hold on we're not even talking <laughs> about we're not even talking about like on the ways of venues either. I mean, yeah. the NIVA is battling it out, trying to get Congress to give some money and which, have been for months. Yeah. And like the thing with it is like, in my personal opinion, and I've said this on this podcast, we will not get any money helping our entertainment industry unless there's a general relative COVID package for the United States already. Yeah. Because people are, the senators are going to go, there's no way in hell that I'm voting to help the entertainment industry. When there's, when they're starving people. Yeah. When literally going, people cannot, yeah. you know, like, well, when the general public can't afford to, you know, do stuff like that yeah, and I, feed themselves. I agree with you. I think it's a very hard, I honestly, it's so hard for them to make the argument, uh, even though it's warranted to get money. Um, in my opinion, I think it's warranted to get money. It's a two step um, process. I think they hope that they can get it attached to a bill, but I think, I, I think they, they've they been gunning for that, but it seems to be, you know, it, it just, there's a lot going on politically. There's a lot going on socially. There's a lot going on with this virus. And, right. and so like, it's all I kind of, yeah. And we're not even, together. and if you want to get real sad with it, we don't know which these people, even if they could come back, if they've been hurt or died from this virus. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can't even talk about that. Like I was talking I mean, about we've more lost like huge the, artists right, to it already. Like we're not even talking about like waiting on the sidelines kind of people. I'm literally talking about like, you know, this guy girl, you know, was just chilling out one day and got COVID and they were a great engineer, but now they're gone. You know, like that's one thing, obviously that's not going to fill the demand is this poor dead person. And so like, that's kind of what it is. It's just like a lot of things on top of each other. And the one thing I've seen all over and I've said it before is like a lot of entertainment people say first to close last to come back. And I completely agree. Yeah. And, uh, it's going to be one of, it's going to be a real, real uphill battle. And I think the thing is, is that the music industry has tried their best to kind of educate the general public and saying like, we're dying, we're whatever. But I would really like, you know, I would really like a push from like that side to kind of talk about like when it comes back, it's not going to be the same. Yeah. It's not going to be flipping a light. Like if it starts coming back, it's not going to be the same because there's going to be venues that are gone. There's going to be literally physical people. There's not going to be money to pay people. There's going to be, yeah, a lack of capital. And I was like that this is all the things that are going to add up. And so I'm just saying like right now it's like the worst part about it is that other, well, I should say worst part about it is sadly all these people who are losing their lives every day. But like the worst part about it is going to be these people that are going to make judgments 
on a business future or an artist's future based on the experience of a post-COVID concert Mm -hmm. when there's no way in hell they could have a fair shot, basically. You know what I mean? Where like a potential fan of like either a place of business or an artist will just write it off for the rest of their lives because they had a bad COVID show, you know? And obviously like, I'm not talking about like you go to a show and like the venue's just like, you know, we're not that far into COVID being like gone or something that like, you know, you go to a show and people are like, no mask. This is a no mask venue. Like I would be like, yeah, fuck those people. No, I'm not going in there. But like, I'm talking about just like little things where it's like the singing was bad. And like they tried to do a thing and the stage lights went out and like they couldn't get it on fast enough. It just sucks, you know? And like, that's why like going to the Grammys thing, I'm just excited to see if we can come together on the live streaming front and kind of make a cool, like thing that people get used to in some aspect and that that will become more of the standard as opposed to what the old live shows were, you know? Yeah. So, well, real bummer. Yeah. <laughs> real bummer of an episode. Honestly, Merry Christmas. if you're still here, I applaud you. <laughs> like, um, but well, like, yeah. um, Colin, what kind of stuff have you been listening to, uh, this week? And I guess, uh, in general, well, first after all that, happy holidays, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yep, happy, happy, holidays. happy holidays. Uh, just Santa's that was coming to town, baby. That was a uh, real, re- yeah, real good into like holiday cheer. Um, I've been listening to kind of a you know, my eclectic usual. Um, I'm trying to think right now. I, I kind of went off. I oh, I listened to this uh, Teresa Vaughn song, the easy song, yeah, which had with, Casey, with Casey on, it. on it, and then it has Mark Ronson on it, which I'm like. I think he he dropped the EP. It didn't have Casey, and then they re- released they a like remixed the, it or with something. The music video, yeah, with her, yeah. So, um, yeah, I just I do I, the one thing I think is hilarious with Mark Ronson is like a lot of artists obviously like really love him and really you know support him and stuff. But I feel like as a consumer, when people are like featuring Mark Ronson, and obviously like there's not a person singing, yeah, they're like, they're like what? Where is Mark? Is that him? You know, like. <laughs> Mark just in the corner with the bass. <laughs> yeah, like he, he'll do like production and stuff, but like I'm sure like because he has the credit on it. And look, I get it. Like from someone who's like made a, made tracks for people or like made backings for people, I think it'd be awesome if like you know I made like I played bass on a song and then it says featuring Colin McKay on bass. I'd be all about that. Hell yeah! But it's like really confusing. I feel like to the general public when they're like, "What is he? When is, is he there like up? a part of a song that we <laughs> yeah. missed?" Yeah. And it's it's not like there's a guitar solo in it or something, you know what I mean? So like it's even more. But yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting song. I like it. It's weird cuz it's like we've joked on this podcast that like Casey Musgraves has made like the jump from like obviously country to like more like indie kind of feely music. Mm-hmm. But then she's in this and it just feels like, "Oh, it's Casey Musgraves and pop music." You know, and it's just like really weird for my mind, you know, cuz I'm used to uh listen to Casey Musgraves, like the regular stuff, but in the back of my mind, kind of like the Michael Jackson, uh, Jackson five thing. I think of like, uh, you know, the biscuits and gravy song as Casey Musgraves oh, like, yeah, way yeah. back in the day. And I'm <laughs> like, into my mind, I'm like, I'm listening to Casey. Mus-. Like my mind's like that woman, like with all the math problems. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, Casey Musgraves. Yeah. It's just so like funny to me that like, that's just how it, 
Yeah, works. artist transformations, man. She just does whatever she wants. Oh, I also listened to that new Taylor Swift album. Was it good? I liked it more than folklore. Okay. Um, as a friend of mine said, and I thought it was hilarious, she was like, he was like, I thought it was going to be a folk album with folklore, and then it wasn't. <laughs> and then I, and then he goes, I listened to this one, and it had more folky stuff in it. And I was like, yes, it did. So if you're one of those people, <laughs> it's there. Uh, I like it because she's got some more like up-tempo kind of like melody earworms for me, Yeah, uh, which is kind of like what I like Taylor for. Uh, I, it's just hard for me, you know, to connect with some of the lyrics. Cause I just, I'm just not the demo. I just don't, it's not, it doesn't do anything for me, Yeah. but like, I like, uh, I like that Willow song, although I get it. I, you know, when I used to write songs and stuff, I used to like, be like, Oh, this one line in the song that I say vaguely once, that'll be the name of the song. Cause it's obscure. But like, I really, and like the, evil industry person i am i'm like this song should be like that's my man should be the title of that song i don't care (laughs) if you make one line about a willow in that song it's not called willow in my mind like i will never be like can you put on willow i'll always be like what's the that my man song that's why they'll they'll add in parentheses yeah (laughs) the true but it's a good song i think i like it way better than the last album it's got like some upper stuff in it and like I know they're supposed to be like sister albums, but I feel like it's a lot more defined. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's fun. And like, uh, the only other thing that I will give Taylor shit for it, which is, uh, the thing that I would like to see go away with the industry is like, we're past the undercase overcase all capital. Let's just put regular titles again. We, we, <laughs> you're, you're that, really dying on this hill. We this. burnt that ship into the ground two years ago. Yeah, like, I guess literally I, Ariana Grande put all that stuff and then everybody did it for like three years and like sweetener like I'm literally talking about and it's gone. The ship is sailed. <laughs> I just feel like I'm just like, why? Why are we doing this anymore? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I've been listening to uh, Nilafer Yana crazy name, but uh, great songs. Uh, her song Crash. Um, with her EP feeling lucky, uh, it's been really cool to hear her. She's she's come, she's kind of on the rise in the like indie rock kind of. Uh, I want to say um, I want to say punk, but like very like marketing punk look kind of thing. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's been cool. I mean Anderson Pack, uh, Ventura, one of my favorite albums uh, from him. I think the production behind it is insane, and it blew Oxnard out of the. <laughs> freaking water dude i love that fucking album so much um and also toledo with their uh single it's alive um they actually had two songs on the single it's alive and challenger and i've been digging both of them so i'll never get used to like i love anderson pack but the one thing i'll never get used to is that music video this year that's in my old yeah in your high school, high school. <laughs> and i literally every time Somebody said that, and it kind of felt like the Meghan Markle thing, where I was like, nah, this ain't real. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I was like, is this another, the, the Prince of UK has married a girl from Suits thing? No, <laughs> it's shot in my high school. Like, oh, it's <laughs> cut them in with Rick Ross. That's what it is. And like, literally, I saw a bunch of people like tweeting about it or whatever. 
And then I just started seeing the logos of where I went to high school and I went, what the fuck? Yeah, it's is in the, going your band on? room, right? Yeah, it's in the band room, which I've played in, which then I always joked with my friends. I went, we've technically played in the same venue that Anderson Pack has played in. <laughs> <laughs> but. Dude, iconic. <laughs> well, that showbiz, baby. Thank you for listening to That Showbiz Baby Podcast, your all things music business and media podcast. You can follow us at Twitter at Showbiz Baby Pod, Facebook and Instagram at That Showbiz Baby Podcast, and email That Showbiz Baby Podcast at gmail.com with all your questions and concerns. We also got a YouTube channel that's, you guessed it, That Showbiz Baby Podcast, which we upload the video version of this, and also some other exclusive content that's coming up in the uh, couple days, so be on the lookout. And yeah, thank you so much. We appreciate you sticking around. See you next episode. Thank you.